Hey friends, welcome to the Eagle Community Church Podcast. My name is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister here at our church. This week we're talking about the story from Randy Frazee, and we're talking about chapter 15. This chapter is called God's Messengers, and it deals with people like Elijah and Elisha. For the sermon purposes this week, though, we talk about the life of Elijah. Uh, what we see in Elijah is one of God's most powerful uh, prophets. But what we also see is a man. He has his good days, he has his bad, and we can learn a lot from the life of Elijah, not just the powerful things he did, but also how he dealt with the lowest of the low, those days when everything wasn't going uh, the way he wanted it to. So again, we thank you for listening. We hope to uh, see you soon in person. Have a great week. Also for doing those announcements, it was good to uh, just sit with the family for a few minutes this morning. Instead of uh, getting everything rolling again. Uh, so again, we're, we're thankful that you're all here this morning as we worship God together and we uh, read from his story. Uh, this week we are in chapter 15, is that correct? And if you weren't here last week, what I told, uh, I told everyone was, listen, I, I understand how life happens and you get behind and you think, man, I've got to read seven chapters before this next week. Don't do that. I'm giving you permission. Just read the next chapter. Try to get on uh, back on pace with us just so you're uh, learning these stories. I told Jordan before service, one of the uh, funnest times I had at Harding going through uh, Bible classes was uh, going through this part of Scripture because I was so unfamiliar with it. Because, uh, you know, we were New Testament Christians, so we just rarely talked about the Old Testament at all. And so all of these weird names and stuff we, uh, we didn't get into. And so this is, uh, this is a lot of fun for me. But today, we, uh, the chapter itself and the story uh, covers quite a bit. Elijah, Elisha, Hosea, and uh, all, of these, all of these people. We're going to focus in on the prophet Elijah. Now, we talked about him in, uh, if you remember, in 2021, we did a series in the fall called Stranger Stories, kind of a Stranger Things spinoff. And, and the story of Elijah in, in the story kind of begins with that weird episode where Elijah is fleeing, and God tells him, you need to go hide in this Kirith ravine because I'm going to send these ravens to feed you. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Isn't that a weird, kind of interesting story? If you had ravens show up at your house with meat and bread in the morning and evening, what's your response going to be? I guess if you're hungry enough, you're thinking, yeah. Now, I have sat on a deer stand a lot of times and thought, man, if somebody would deliver out here, I would pay for it. Can you bring it out here uh, right now? But this is a weird kind of story about Elijah and his faith in God, that he would trust God to allow this to happen, that he would go along with this. Uh, And I think Elijah, if you're looking at his story, I think Elijah may have a little uh, introvert in him. Because in Elijah, what you see is he's with people, and then he's away, away from people. He's with people, and then he's around like two people. And I can relate to that. 
every Sunday uh, afternoon. Uh, you guys know I take a nap by now. But I am so drained from just being here and, and pouring out what, you know, what, I've, what I've planned for and, and talking to everyone that I like need a nap after this. Anybody else just like socially? I'm over-socialized. That's what it is. I need to get away from you people. I'm still up for that private plane if, uh, if you'd like to focus on that. But, but this is part of Elijah's story. It's kind of like he is away for a while and it's almost like he recharges and allows himself to go into uh, the bigger scenes and maybe the more memorable things for us. And the more memorable thing for me with Elijah is, is this story about Elijah and Mount Carmel. Everybody know this story. Now, I told Jordan again before we started here, I said that was one of the most anticlimactic things on my trip to Israel was seeing Mount Carmel because I didn't realize we were on it. Now look at this. This is, we would probably call this a high ridge, you know. Um, this, is, this is not my picture. I got this off the internet, but these next two are my pictures. This is standing up there on this Mount Carmel. And so this is the location. The cool thing was I was standing on Mount Carmel. Again, the, the weird thing was I didn't realize it was a mountain. Um, but this is the, the place where all of this happens. Here's another picture. Just, I mean, it just looks like we could be in Texas right there, right? We could be somewhere on somebody's ranch right in Texas right there. But this is the site where Elijah goes in and has to battle kind of, uh, not a dance battle, but has to battle uh, these prophets of uh, Baal, which is, by the way, I've said this before, that's the correct pronunciation, but I have heard it and we have said it, Baal, all of my life. So I may say both in the same sentence. I come from a town uh, of Dirks, Arkansas, just like Dirks Bentley, if you know the country singer. But for whatever reason, at some point, I think it may have been cheerleaders trying to rhyme at the football game or make it sound better. We changed it to Derrick's. D-E-R-R-I-C-K-S. That's how we say it. It's still spelled the same way. And so it, it's always a big thing. How do you say this? And again, I may say both in the same sentence, and people look at me weird and want to correct me, and I'm from there. But this is, again, this battle with Baal or Baal. And 1 Kings 18 is where this comes from. And uh, what Elijah has done is set up this, this scenario where we're going to see whose God is real. We're going to see whose God shows up in the moment, right? And, and so what he says was, okay, uh, you need to get two bulls and we're gonna set these up and we're gonna see whose God will actually rain fire down and consume uh, these sacrifices. And so the pressure is on. It is Elijah versus 450 prophets for Baal or Baal. In 1 Kings 18, 26 through 29, so they took the bull given them and prepared it. This is the prophets. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Maybe it is a dance battle. I don't know. <laughs> At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. You've got to read the sarcasm in this. Please don't read it flatly. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. You know, gods do that. They're just walking around, right? Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. Keep yelling, please. 
So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until their blood flowed. Can you imagine if our prayer life was like that? We could have every, every week, we would say, all right, who's a, a daily prayer? And we're going to say, let's see your slashes. That would be something, wouldn't it? And so they have this big to-do about how to get their God's attention. Now, you should be asking yourself, well, what do we do to get God's attention? Am I even talking to him? But at least, at least they're trying, right? Yelling, shouting, dancing, cutting themselves until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And so what Elijah does to kind of up the ante is very interesting. You would think uh, just to have fire rain down from heaven would be plenty, right? But Elijah says, you know, you set this up, you set up a regular altar and you did this and your God did nothing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to set up uh, the bull in the same way, but what I'm going to do is uh, bring a bunch of, of water, fill some pitchers uh, with water, and we're going to just keep pouring in. It said Elijah kind of built a trench around it, and there was so much water that there was water just kind of holding there and standing. And you think, well, that's not a good way to burn something, is it? We got any, any guys who, you're the volunteer to create the, uh, the fire? Got some pyros in this place, yes? I understand. In our last church, we had a guy who, um, he said, yeah, I'll do it. And I showed up, and it was the most perfect-looking wood contraption set up in a teepee. And I thought, you have done this way too much. I'm going to watch you. Um, but yeah, uh, this is not the way you would set up a fire, right? This is not, you know, right in the middle of the water, please. Let's do that. Uh, but here's the story. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and danced and shouted, no, he did what? He prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. You think that grabs some attention. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate, I said that correctly, and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What an amazing thing to see right in front of their eyes. That this fire comes down, and you got to be thinking, if you're watching this, Elijah's got to be crazy, right? What is this guy doing? Y'all are okay up on the front row here, I hope. Um, I said prostrate correctly, and some people caught that. Um, but what, what Elijah does seems crazy. But God showed out in a real way. that So the fire came down and not only consumed the sacrifice, but everything in the area, right? So much so that the people had to look at it and the conclusion had to be Yahweh, the Lord, is God. What an amazing event. Elijah goes from this place and he is able to, at this point, kind of convince King Ahab that something big is going on with his God. Ahab and Jezebel have been kind of the bane of Elijah's existence. 
And, and it's weird because every time Ahab looks like he's gotten it, he goes back home and his wife intervenes and turns his heart again. Jezebel's something. That's to this day, if, if ladies, if you are called Jezebel, you are not happy about that, are you? Some of you have been called Jezebel before, haven't you? Now, I saw some pain and anger in that face when you, when you said that. But Elijah gets threatened again and again because of his faith in God, even when all of the evidence shows that what Elijah is doing and what Elijah is trying to turn their hearts back to God, that that is right. But Elijah keeps getting attacked. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Uh, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. You see, I'm around all these people now. I'm, I'm alone. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. What a roller coaster ride. Doesn't this feel like, like our lives? Like one minute I'm on top of the literal mountain watching God show out, doing big things in my life, and it feels like sometimes the next minute is the valley. I've had enough. God, take my life. And one thing I want you to notice here, if you have struggles with God, if you have struggles with your faith, if sometimes it feels like everything's overwhelming and I'm just done, that's okay. Elijah was there too. And if we want to bring up what all is said about Elijah, even when Jesus was on earth, they thought he was Elijah. That's how great Elijah was. And Elijah had days like this. I just want to die. I've had enough. So the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. You ever had days where you felt like you were out here battling this on your own? Felt like God maybe was far from you. Nothing's going right. All my plans I had laid out, plans that I feel like aligned with even the will of God, and nothing's going right. I feel like I'm all alone, and that's exactly how Elijah felt. I love this about Scripture because Scripture doesn't, doesn't paint all these, these people in, in like perfect lights where, oh, yeah, I always knew, I always had faith in God. God talked to Elijah under the broom bush, like, oh, yeah, how you doing? Doing well. Thank you for showing up on Carmel. But no, he has these days, he has these moments where it's top of the mountain and everything's going right. And then he has these moments where everything is down here and what do I do about this? Because God, I don't know where you are right now. Would you just kill me? Um, one of the things I think is interesting is God talks to Elijah in this moment and he says, you remember how many people that haven't bowed their knee? You remember how many it was? Somebody tell me. 7,000. Somebody read this week. Thank you. 7,000 people. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but when you feel like you're the only one, 7,000 is a lot, is it not? And I think this is kind of like our, our church assembly. Sometimes we feel like, ah, I don't need to go. But we can be out in the world and, and fighting all of these battles and really having day-to-day -day struggles. And, and I don't know about you guys, but when I show up here, 
and I see your faces, and I know that you're fighting the battle, and you're here today, and that encourages me, and you're here, and maybe I know your story, and you're here today, and we're coming together, and we're stronger as a unit, that in this moment, I know I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one battling out here, but I come, and I see people who are walking the same walk, and there's a lot of strength to be found in that. I hope you find the same thing as we come together. Because Elijah, what I think he found out in this moment was during those, those, those lowest times that we fear and we don't want, we wouldn't wish on anyone, during those lowest moments, though, I think we can learn the greatest lesson. Because in those lowest moments where we're asking a bunch of questions and wrestling, I think we come to some conclusions and we come to some understandings that really push us forward. Because in this moment, as God shows up to Elijah, and he said, you're not the only one. We've got 7,000 out here. This wrestling with God, seeing him, hearing him in the, the, the gentle whisper instead of the fire and the earthquake and the great wind, he's able to sit and understand, okay, God is with me. And so Elijah goes forward from this point. And as he's about to kind of pass the, the baton on to Elisha, look what Elisha asked for. He said, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do, uh, do for you before I am taken from you? By the way, on that introvert point, you need to read the scripture about this because Elijah asked Elisha questions and every time Elisha answers, he tells him to be quiet. I think he needed some alone time, some quiet time. Ask him questions, he answers. That. Okay, now be quiet. But he said, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha asked for this. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. And so Elisha looked at Elijah and said, I want twice of that. I want twice what you're, what you're doing out here. It's interesting because Scripture reports about 14 miracles with Elijah and reports 28 with Elisha. Isn't that neat? But Elisha doesn't ask for that if Elijah stays in the valley, does he? Elisha doesn't ask for that if, if Elijah's rest of the story was down in the dumps, woe is me all the time, does he? It's not that you were in the valley, it's what you did in the valley. That's what, that's what you see, is that you don't define someone's character by the days that are going the best, right? Top of the mountain days, what defines someone's character is how do you deal with those days that don't go well? And so for Elijah, he had those days that did not go well, but he didn't stay there. And so for our church right now, maybe you're having one of those days or one of those weeks or maybe even one of those months where I feel like I can't get out of this rut. It's not that you're there. It's what are you doing while you're there? Seek the counsel of God. Seek the, the encouragement and the strength that comes from other people walking the same walk. Don't let that valley define you. Let coming out of that valley define you. That somebody at the end of the day looks at you and says, man, I want what you have. And if you could give that to me times two, man. But I don't look at somebody that stays in the dumps all the time and woe is me and I'm always dramatic and think, man, I want twice of that. <laughs> could I have a quarter of that right now and walk away with it, please? 
but we get up and we serve a God who shows perseverance even towards his kids, right? Even those of you who have been parents and grandparents, you know that uh, every day with your kids and grandkids, those aren't perfect, are they? Not mine are, but I'm sure yours aren't. I'm just imagining here. They're not perfect, but what do you do with that? Can you get up out of that? Can you continue to worship God through the storm? Because the storms of life will come, will they not? How do you get through? Some of you have have lived through things that you wouldn't wish on anyone, haven't you? You don't want to see anybody go through. But the way that you learn and the way that you grow and the way that you step forward, my goodness, can that help you and help other people? So we come together as a body of believers, not as solo people out here feeling like I'm the only one and nobody can help me. We come together as a group whose faith in God will define us, will it not? And so this morning, as we think about the life of Elijah, I hope we see a little bit of ourselves. That yes, not every day is perfect. But I serve a God who is and who walks alongside me and who pursues me even when I hide under the broom bush or just ask me to, or ask him to kill me. But God loves us, does he not? Has he not shown us how much he loves us and cares for us? And because of that, we come and we gather and we pledge our allegiance to him, charging our, our own lives, not as our own anymore, but as lives to be lived for him. So we want to encourage you, if you need prayers this morning, things aren't going well, and you just want someone to walk alongside you, we'd love to do that. If you haven't begun that walk with him and pledged your allegiance in in being baptized into his name, into his death, burial, and resurrection, let's do that as well. If you have any news, would you come?